Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. First, let me tell you about the fabulous Llewellyn Plain. Llewellyn is currently a board member at Western Water, the Victorian Eye and Ear Hospital, the Public Transport Ombudsman and the Disability Services Board and she's previously been a board member at Western Regional Health Centre and CoHealth. She's worked as a lawyer in senior strategy and policy roles and she's run her own business. Her zone of genius is in helping to develop and communicate policy in a range of areas including emergency management, health and transport. Llewellyn was the first woman to chair the board of the Western Region Health Centre and she helped to lead the merger process that created CoHealth, one of the largest community health organisations in Australia. She completed the Williamson Community Leadership Program in 2017. Llewellyn lost most of her vision in 2014 through a hereditary eye condition. She's passionate about addressing inequity in our community and ensuring diversity and inclusion in all aspects of life. For all of these reasons, I know you're going to love my discussion with Llewellyn today. Hi, Llewellyn. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast. Hello, how are you? Thank you for having me and congratulations on the podcast. Thank you. It's so great to have you here. Tell me a bit more about who you are. Yeah, it's funny when you hear your bio and sort of go, ooh, (laughs) I don't know if that's really me, but that's, you know, that's who we project in the world. One thing that isn't in the bio is that I have a fairly major vision impairment. So uh, I get around with a white cane and I can't see very much. And this is relatively recent. So this happened to me about five years ago. So I've been a, a director without a disability, but I've also been a director with a disability. And it's having a disability has opened up huge new, a huge new sense of possibility for me, which is not always what we hear about disability. It's sometimes seen as such a negative thing, but it's been transformative. It's been really important. And I'm glad that I can bring that different perspective to the work that I do and hopefully make change for others. 
And, you know, we know from all of the evidence around boards or groups or organisation, the diversity makes for stronger decision-making, makes for better decision-making. So the value you must add to those organisations is incredible. It is interesting. You, you can still have groupthink on a board, even like when you're, you know, with someone with a disability on there. Um, I think groupthink is a little bit endemic on board sometimes, but I actually quite like, you know, being different and bringing that to the, the board table. And it's always a fine balance about how you do that, but it's been an interesting journey. So tell me more about that in terms of the governance side of things and boards that you've worked with. What makes a high-performing board? I've been thinking about this a bit. So I've obviously been on a few boards, but also when I was an exec, I reported to quite a few boards. So I've observed a number of boards over the years. And what does make a high-performing board and, and how do we measure it? I think it's something that's very difficult to measure. But if you think the role of the board is performance, how do we make this organisation the absolute best it can be and take it in a direction where it will thrive and do the most good is sort of how I think about performance. And that's around real clarity between the leadership on the board and in the management team about, you know, where are we going? How are we getting there? So that's the sort of strategy piece. But of course, any board has a massive piece of compliance work that it must do, particularly government boards, but all boards need to keep an eye on compliance or what's sometimes called conformance. So if you think of performance, you know, how do we drive this organisation be better, but conformance, how do we make sure we're keeping the lights on, everyone's safe, everything, we're complying with everything that we need to be complying with. And in both instances, it does come down to are we asking the right questions? Are we getting the right information? They're critical for both performance and conformance. Performance and conformance just is a handy framework for me to think about what is the job that we're here to do and how much time are we spending on each one and are we getting the balance right? Because if you ignore one, it's to the detriment of the organisation. So that's how I think about it. And I I'm, I'm think about boards as being maybe assertive or passive. Sometimes I think less high performing boards can be passive and reactive. They sort of wait for management to tell them what's happening next. And when you see a really assertive board, I think you really see that passivity is not good enough. Um, And I think particularly in the light of you know, recent royal commissions Mm -hmm. and things like that, passivity can be a real trap and it can sort of drain energy. And when you're on a high performing board, the energy in the room is high. When you meet, the clarity of what you're trying to achieve is clear. Clarity is clear, but, you know, there's clarity, there's real conversations about what we're trying to achieve. And there's a partnership approach between, a robust partnership between management and the board in terms of, you know, these are the issues that we're facing. This is where we want to get to. Here are the options. We're giving ourselves plenty of time and rigour to think through what they are. And when you've got that going on on a board, I do think it performs better than when the board's kind of waiting to hear what management tells it next, which some boards are like that. And 
you know, sometimes there's game playing, sometimes it's, it can feel passive aggressive even. So I think that task of getting everyone on the same page and really all feeling like you're moving in the same direction and that sort of robust collaboration and collegiality is what, for me, makes a high-performing board. You know, that robustness and keeping that robustness in the boardroom and encouraging courageous questions and so on, how does that happen? How does that magic happen? How do we get there? So trust. So I think boards that boards that think about how they're doing their job in a meaningful way is one step and there's structured ways to do that through various reflection processes or other other ways to do that. But I think the higher the trust in the boardroom, the more likely that people are going to feel comfortable to say what they're really thinking because a lot of people don't actually say what they're really thinking in board meetings, believe it or not. And there can be, it can feel like there's a pressure to just go along uh, and not disrupt and, and not cause a problem. And, you know, we all want to be liked and we all want to fit in. And I think boards can get into real trouble when, one, we let sort of that one person always do it and, we, and nobody sort of comes in behind to support them or nobody does it. I've certainly been on boards where it's been me and nobody supports me in the meeting, but people support me outside the meeting, which not that helpful because obviously nothing changes if nobody Mm. else is prepared to pipe up in the meeting. And, you know, sometimes you're an outlier. Sometimes your view is completely different to everybody else's. But the beauty of boards is if you're bringing lots of different perspectives, it flushes things to the surface and it spreads the horizon of the thinking. And that's when, when there's more possibility in the thinking, I think we're able to work towards better solutions together than the sort of same old, same old. I think sometimes, sometimes in boards you can feel like you're going through the motions because, you know, there's a similarity to the structure of each meeting. And if you feel like you're going through the motions a bit in your board meetings, I, I would encourage you to reflect why and, and what, what perhaps you could do about it. Has there been a time when you've felt that, when you've been in your board meeting, you're feeling like you're going through the motions and there's something to say? What did you do about it, if you can say? As an imperfect human being, sometimes I didn't say anything about it because it's too hard or it's just you feel that maybe it'll be a brick wall or framing questions, really important skill for a board member and you only really develop that skill by asking questions. So what do you mean by a framing question? What does that look like? Well... Sometimes I might read my papers and be sort of troubled by something and or you might think about something for a long time and then I might spend quite a bit of time thinking, how is the best way to frame this so that I get my point across, I'm influencing other board members to my point and it's going to either get the answer or the conversation that's going to progress it or I'm going to you know be able to satisfy myself but you don't always get that right and sometimes you I'm many times I've thought I should have asked that question better or that you know that that didn't actually get the conversation to where I wanted it to and you know that's just a work in progress of developing your skills around that stuff you know one thing I'm working on at the moment because now I sit in board meetings and I can't see the papers and I can't read the, really read the papers in the board meeting. And my comfort zone is detail. You know, that is my comfort zone as a human being, detail. And so I can't 
I can't do that in the board meeting any at all. So I'm used to being uncomfortable in board meetings just for that physical fact. So one of the things I'm working on is to, you know, you still got to be across the detail, but get less tied up in it and try and think big picture and and try and make those big picture contributions. Because I feel like that's, that's now where I can add more value than, than trying to engage with detail that I can't see. (laughs) you know, during the meeting. There you go. There's one of those ways in which having the disability helps you get into that kind of big picture thinking. Absolutely. So it's a common thing I hear from some of my clients that they, particularly when they've been working in executive roles and then moving to a non-executive role, that exact change from being across all of the detail on the operational side to having to think strategically and in a governance sense in the boardroom What's some ways that helps people to stay in that strategic space? For me, this might not work for everybody, but for me, I do think not being afraid to be a disruptor, not being afraid to to try and position. And that doesn't mean being, when you're being a disruptor, it doesn't mean being antagonistic, but not being afraid to say, well, I'm concerned that we haven't thought about X, Y, Z, or here's a different way of thinking about it or you know have we missed the point completely here I think about framing the question and and thinking about ways to communicate those sorts of concerns in in ways that are palatable but meaningful to people around you it's hard and it's a skill and you need to understand your organization you need to understand how it works what its culture is and you know, its operating environment, its challenges. So you actually sort of need to build up to get to big picture. It doesn't just sort of come spontaneously. And I don't know, I think sometimes boards think, well, we can, we can just be spontaneously strategic and big picture. It doesn't actually happen that way. It comes with time. So sometimes for me, it's around, in terms of big picture, it's actually going to the core of why are we here and what are we trying to achieve and coming back to that. Because a lot of technical stuff gets discussed on boards endlessly. There's a lot of procurement stuff. There's a lot of technical stuff that's fairly dry. And I think if you can keep coming back to why are we here, what are we trying to achieve, how are we trying to achieve it as guiding principles and, you know, think about your own values. I've got very strong values around equity. So trying to bring that in helps get you into that big picture thinking rather than, the technical detail around a tender process or or something like that, which you still need to be able to do because it's your duty to do that. Um, you need to make decisions in the best interest of the organisation every time. But getting that balance and, and bringing back to values and, and why are we here, that, you know, the existential questions for the organisation can help you think about that stuff. I'm involved in uh, a tender or a procurement process at the moment on one of my boards and have uh, reminded the organisation about the Victorian government social procurement policies and bringing that into the process. Because it is not just about who's the cheapest, who's the best, who's got the different people on the team. It is thinking bigger picture. So I love those questions about what are we really here to do? Where are we at now? How are we going to get there? And what's the bigger picture about what we're doing? Love it. You've talked about values. You just mentioned there about keep bringing your values into the boardroom and Tell me, what are your key values and how do you bring them into the boardroom? Well, I'm a Brene Brown devotee um, and so she says, 
have two values, which is sort of like, goodness, only two. It does help you sort of clarify what you're focusing on whenever you're doing anything really. So my key values are courage and equity. And that means that I'm probably more likely than than your average bear to pipe up (laughs) about things. If I'm, I'm worried about where things are going or, you know, what the overall, you know, what is our reason for being, I will pipe up about that. But I'm also interested in, you know, diversity and inclusion and feel a responsibility as a person in a leadership role with a disability to bring that to the board table in terms of disability employment. We have a huge amount of inequity in our country around disability employment, and that's largely about attitudes. So trying to make sure that that's covered, you know, in any workforce strategy or that you've got a really robust disability action plan that includes some of those sort of imperatives is something that I'm not afraid to bring to the board table. And I also recognise sometimes just raising stuff in board meetings can feel like sort of hot air sometimes. So stuff actually gets done outside of board meetings. You're setting principles and direction and, and making decisions in board meetings, but stuff gets done outside of meetings. So it's worth having conversations with fellow members of your board and your exec team about some of those things uh, to make sure they actually happen. It's a great point that influence within the boardroom, but getting influence within the boardroom can sometimes happen outside the boardroom. How does that work for you? How do you engage with your co-directors outside the boardroom or members of the exec outside the boardroom? I think you have to make sure that you're being very respectful around to your chair and also um, to your CEO. So making sure you're not just talking to anyone about anything, but making, getting some alignment there to start with, if you've got your own things that you want to talk about. And, you know, sometimes it's just, well, we, we can do X, we can't do Y, uh, but that's fine. It's, it's all about having the conversation. But I think getting to know your board members, your fellow board members, where they're coming from, who they are as people helps build that trust and it helps people be more courageous in the board room. And that just leads to interesting and better conversations, I think. And if people are ready to pipe up and not feel like everyone's going to think I'm a dill if I ask that, or people are going to think I'm arcing up again if I ask that, you know, these are all judgments all the time about how you do these things. And I usually reflect after every board meeting and think, oh, that was okay, or could have done that differently, you know, but um, sorry, I digress. But I do think any time that you can spend either in structured ways or informally getting to know board members is really important. I also have a practice of like whenever somebody new is appointed to the board of emailing them and welcoming them and congratulating them so that they feel welcome to the organisation because it can be daunting to come into a group that's sort of formed. And so that's something I try and do, trying to build those relationships up a bit because you're going to disagree with each other from time to time and that's perfectly fine, but it's about understanding each other on a human level and relating on that human level that can help the magic happen. Absolutely. It's, it's interesting. I've heard of different chairs and boards sometimes who really encourage that engagement outside the boardroom and sometimes don't. I'm a big supporter of it. I'm always up for having cups of tea with people outside the boardroom for those exact reasons, building the relationship. It helps to have those stronger conversations. 
boards can become factionalised really easily. So you do have to sort of keep an eye on those things. So that's where it's important to sort of be meeting with everybody. You said it was a digression and I want to go down your digression path. You talked about reflection after board meetings and you're reflecting on what went well and what you might have done differently. Do you do that as a formal reflection afterwards or is it informal? How does it work? Probably informal. I'd just be thinking, oh, I'm an introvert. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, you know, you have people with different styles and you have people who will talk more. You have people who talk less. And I'm quite conscious that I'm one of the people who talk less. And so you're sort of going, I don't know, maybe it's the lawyer in me, like, you know, payment per word or, you know, payment per minute or whatever of of, um, output. So, you know, because the most powerful thing you can do in a board meeting is speak. But as an introvert, I think I probably say less, but try and make sure when I speak, it's of value. And that's not always the case, you know, because I'm a human being, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll reflect on that or, you know, it's also thinking, it's also your learning about, wow, that was such a great question. I wish I'd thought of that or, oh, I really learned from that person about the way they came at that issue or those sorts of things, I think, just help build up your practice. I would not go to a board meeting without doing a bit of reflection, probably just on the train home, you know, just thinking about it. It's a great thing to do though. It's it's a great reminder. I think I probably do it informally sometimes, but it's an excellent reminder for me to maybe incorporate that into my practice a bit more. So thank you. Again, you just mentioned great questions and you've talked about some of them already. What are some of your favourite questions that you've either used yourself or that you've heard from others? Good question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was in a board meeting last week where someone asked, I thought, oh, that's a great question. So it was where, you know, you get the same reporting each month and you don't necessarily get a trend line, you know, but someone had gone back and said, well, you know, for the last seven months, we've been told the same thing. What's actually changed? We want better performance in this area. And um, so, you know, they'd gone away and done that sort of analytics on the, on the data over seven months or whatever, but it just led to this completely different conversation of, you know, information that we hadn't actually had and weren't aware of. This was in a com- the compliance area. So thinking of sort of performance conformance. So this was in the sort of conformance box, but I just went, oh, that's such a great question of digging underneath and what's actually going on here. And that's so much part of your job is sort of digging in underneath and trying to work out what's actually going on in the organisation and kind of flushing that out in the board room. And, you know, I really think that's been borne out by the recent Banking Royal Commission of, you know, that clearly does not happening enough. Um, So when you see that happening, you go, yeah, great job. And I think some of the other, in terms of the big picture questions, they can just be harder and might come out more in conversation, but sometimes it might be around just being really clear about what the outcome is of a particular thing or getting everyone clear about where we're at. One of the things I sometimes do, which not necessarily a question, but sometimes I'm not sure what's going on with the people and I'm really conscious of it because I can't see the body language anymore. So I'm often asking, how do they look? You know, <laughs> are they looking unhappy? But I can tell when people are fidgeting or seem distracted. I do pick up on that quite a bit now. And so it's sometimes boards kind of forget that we're all human beings and we're sort of driving for these outcomes and 
like, are we actually all on the same page here? I think we really got to check in with people about what are we doing here? How, how are we relating as human beings? This is, is this all okay? Exec teams are highly paid and professional and all the rest of it. And we've got, you know, high expectations, but we're still people. And so just doing the human thing and checking in, I think is quite an important thing for boards to do because, you know, you want to all feel like you're rowing in the same boat in the same direction. Often it's part of the chair's role to really bring that together and bring the people together in that. What are some of the things that you've seen from the chair to make that, that side of things work really well? Yeah, I think it's so tough to be a chair because you've sort of got so many things you're remembering to do in the board meeting. And I think board members can help chairs more than they do to mm. sort of go, you know, like I sometimes feel like you have this sort of a, it can become a familial, well, the chair's looking after all of that and I don't have to step up, you know, whereas I, I mean, I'm quite happy to go, well, we need to remember blah, blah, or, you know, just help the chair out. Like they've got a range of things that they've got to be dealing with during any board meeting. So you can only do that with a chair that that doesn't feel disrespectful, obviously, like you need to have a good relationship with that chair. But I sometimes feel like we, you know, you can be in a board meeting and everyone's sort of just waiting for the chair to deal with the conversation rather than how am I helping us get there? How am I helping our chair help us get there? But look, great chairs bring energy, they bring vision and they bring clarity and they help articulate that. And, you know, no chair is perfect, there's no human beings perfect, but I think you learn something at each meeting from a chair is when you know you've got a great chair. I love that idea of all of the board helping out the chair, like the chair they're just first among equals. They're not got any special powers. Well, sometimes they do actually, but they don't necessarily have any special powers about it. They're just another member of the board and having other board members help them out in that and bring things along. I love it. You know how sometimes it feels like, you know, you're waiting for mum and or dad to kind of yeah. get everything under control. It's like, well, why? We're all we're all leaders here. And it, it's tiring if they've got to do that for, you know, every difficult discussion. So for them, you know. Absolutely. Like, They're the ones that are trying to hold it all together. Yeah, so help and, you them know, out time it. constraints and all the rest of it. So I kind of think make it a bit easier for them. Being a chair is tough. We've covered a lot today around way boards can work well and balancing different parts of it out. Our roles as individuals on the board uh, and also working within that team on the board and engaging with other members of the team. Just thinking about what we've talked about today and somehow bringing that together. If you were writing a letter back to young Llewellyn, what would you advise her? What would you advise her to take on board? Worry less, although I say that to, you know, current Llewellyn. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of my lifelong challenge to worry less. Back yourself more and we don't know what's going to happen to us in this life. Just back yourself and go for it because life's short and we don't know what's going to happen to us. So no regrets. A resource to share with the community. Can you recommend a resource? It can be a book, a TED talk, a podcast, anything. So I think I mentioned I, um, I like Brene Brown. So, you know, a little bit white middle class, not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but she's done some great books around vulnerability. And I think when you're not afraid to show who you really are and show your vulnerable side is when 
you can have the most impact because that's when you're getting true connection with other people and you can make a bigger impact. And the more we see that in our boardrooms, I think the better they will be. So The Power of Vulnerability by Brene Brown. And she's also her most recent book, Dare to Lead. I think it's got a lot of good strategies in organisations about, you know, having having tricky conversations, having tough conversations and, and having, you know, being brave and, and bringing yourself to the table and uh, being how to have them. Oh, see, now I want to go down that digression. <laughs> being, being vulnerable in the boardroom. Tell me about that. Yeah, it's a funny one. So I've, I've worked on vulnerability a lot since losing my vision. I'm so much more vulnerable all the time now, like if I'm out and about in the world, that it sort of makes it easier to be more emotionally vulnerable. And that's just not being afraid to show who you really are and what you really care about and not being worried if you're going to be judged about that. And people might not agree with you, but that's okay. It's about showing up and showing who you are and being comfortable with that. And I think, you know, all leadership is kind of taking that step forward and showing who you are and not being afraid is is a, a critical bit of leadership. So from our conversation today, I wonder if you can suggest two or three actions for our community to take on board. My first one would be around thinking about how you can build trust in the boardroom. So we've talked about the coffee thing outside, but one of my boards recently did this sort of role play thing, which we were all sort of mortified about, but it's actually slightly shifted the dynamic and sort of brought us all a bit closer together. I think it's been a really good thing. So I think some formal, non-traditional ways of bonding can be really good. So the first one's around trust. How are you helping to build trust? What suggestions are you making around that? You know, what are you personally doing to build trust with your fellow board members? The next one would be around challenging yourself to be brave in the boardroom, whatever that means for you. And maybe it's, I'm going to set myself a KPI that I'm going to ask 10 questions at this board meeting. I'm going to be really talking a lot this board meeting. Maybe it's that, that's what's brave for you. I don't know, whatever it is, but just give yourself a manageable goal around how to do it and and try it on. You know, don't be afraid to experiment and be brave and and push yourself because that's where you get the growth and, you know, you're showing a different side of yourself to, to your board members, which will also, you know, hopefully help to build trust as well if, if you do it thoughtfully and well. Do I need a third? Is that enough? Too far. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That, that will probably do. <laughs> Fabulous. Okay. So build trust and be brave. Fabulous. Nice ways to close it out. Thank you. Thanks for being with us on the podcast today. And I really look forward to hearing from the community about what their thoughts are about what you've shared with us. Thanks again for having me, Helia. It's been an absolute pleasure. Hi there, it's Helia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So thanks for being here. I would love to continue the conversation with you. Yes, you. Did you know there's a growing community in the Take On Board Facebook group? We'll be sharing even more tips and tricks, resources, events, and getting ideas for future episodes, as well as helping each other out with advice. Most weeks, there's also a special in-camera session with our guest, so you can find out even more. I would really love it if you would join me. You can find the group by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more.